It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rulebook, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. Time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. Welcome to The Big Rethink. Today's episode discusses how we humanize technology and what that means for tech innovation like AI, machine learning, and robotics. Our guest, Dr. Merritt Moore, magna cum laude in physics from Harvard, PhD in atomic and laser physics from University of Oxford, and professional ballet dancer who has performed with companies like Zurich Ballet, Boston Ballet, Norwegian National Ballet, and awarded like her sister, the Forbes 30 and Under 30 Award. Merritt, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And I don't say that lightly. So let's start. Um, high level question. Uh, with you, are you a ballerina that loves science or a scientist that loves ballet? Well, I think it depends what I'm doing at the time. So <laughs> if I'm doing ballet, I definitely I'm a scientist. And if I'm doing science, I'm a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, grass is always greener on the other side. So whichever one I'm not doing is the one that I'm like <laughs> desiring to do. I love it. I love the answer. And so you mentioned that arts and sciences should not be mutually exclusive. And I totally agree. And yet often, especially in education curriculum, especially in the States, they are. Why do you think that is? I, I generally don't know why that is, um, but I think it's a huge problem that needs to be addressed as soon as possible. Um, in particular, I think there is a very poor belief that you're either, when you're born, a creative or very analytic, and then you're segregated, like you're forced down you know, a certain path based on that analysis of yourself at like age three. Um, and I think it's an incredible shame because one, I found that in the lab, you know, the, the lessons in the, in the classroom were very boring and tedious, but when you're actually in the lab, like creativity, imagination is essential. It's necessary for the breakthroughs and to problem solve, um, in the same way as a dancer, I would say creativity is obviously important, but also that ability to be analytic and to view your training as an experiment and to be like, okay, what variables are we going to change today? Like, what have we tried? What are we going to train today? Like it just helped me because I, I started dancing late. And so it helped me consolidate tons of hours in a shorter amount of time that I, I needed in order to improve. So long story short is, I mean, I, it's just a shame that then people are, either believed to be one or the other. And then only one side of is, is kind of fostered when I'm like, actually in every field in particular now in the future, like you need, you need both, both sides. I, I think that totally makes sense. And from my personal experience, it was for me, I had to almost choose between two career paths at a young age. And I don't know if you ever felt that way, but I was taking a curriculum that was hugely math-based, but then I kind of went down this path for a short period of really looking at the arts, in particular drawing. And I felt like at one point in my career, uh, I had to choose. And 
you know, in one way it worked out. And that's why I'm so appreciative for your answer. So let me ask you a follow-up question. Uh, why is it important to marry the two disciplines? Like if you look at your experience, you're saying it helped you in both fields, in both dance and science? Yes, for sure. And to be honest, I don't know if I make it as a professional ballet dancer or would have made it if I didn't have my physics background. Nor for me, I don't think I would have made it in physics if I didn't have the ballet kind of to balance me out. And in the, in the ways of, I mean, I, there's, there's a number of reasons. One is like, for instance, when I'm dancing, like in my head, I've, I've done like, you know, four years of undergrad of physics and then the five years for my PhD, like those equations are ingrained in my head, like the toric moment of inertia, like projectile <laughs> motion. Like I, and I, I believe so much in the power of visualization and it just helps when you know the, the physics of nature. So in my head, when I, I'll close my eyes really quickly in class and just visualize myself doing a, a grand jeté, a big leap. And I can see, you know, the center of mass and like what angle I need to lift my leg or like in order to get the highest leap, the longest leap, like what is needed or in terms of balancing, you know, with my leg in a passe that's kind of going to tilt this way, like where I need to be to have my center of mass exactly where I need in order to create the most number of turns. Like that kind of stuff really helped me. Um, and and then in, in physics as well, like there was a funny, like it's called dance your PhD competition. <laughs> Um, and I had to like dance my, yeah, I, I, for my physics experiment, I was doing uh, quantum optics. So there's a process called spontaneous parametric down conversion, which creates pairs of photons. So I was, and they're entangled. So I was like, I'm going to perform entangled. It's called entangled. <laughs> and, but in the process of thinking about it, I was like thinking about the choreography. I was like, okay, so in the middle of this crystal, this is where the particles or the, the photons are created when a laser hits it. And it just made me think being like, okay, so does this happen at the beginning of the crystal, in the middle of the crystal, at the end of the crystal? Because the crystal has this material property of it, dispersion, which will change the wavelength of it, you know, like will change the, the wave packet depending on where it's at. It just made me rethink my experiment. And then I was like, it, it, I was like, oh, then I need to think about the laser light that's coming in. And I hadn't looked at that and I looked at that and was able to fix it. Like, Oddly doing this, I need to thank Dancer PhD competition for uh, saving my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think this, is, this conversation is special. I'm not just saying that only because to, to hear you talk about your two passions and how you can use one passion to facilitate another is just, it's unique. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, I don't know you, so I've got mm -hmm. no benefit in telling you that. And, you know, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is look at technology and figure out how I can make ROI. When I see what you're doing, and I was fortunate enough for you to accept my invite on LinkedIn to see what you do in terms of using these two passions, dance, right, and science together is special. And that leads me to my next question. You know, part of your personal charter, and I quote, is exploring the future of AI, machine learning with dance and fusing dance and physics and tech. Why are these topics so important to you? Well, I, they, they separately have tugged at me um, in a way that 
I can't really explain. Like, you know, bizarre, like bizarre things just tug at me and I, I just can't say no. Like I just, or I, yeah, to the point where it's, um, I'm the, I don't know if you've ever seen Ice Age, the movie, but there's this little school yes. rat that goes after the nut. <laughs> yes. Like, that's me. <laughs> like, I get obsessive where I'm like, dance, physics, and it falls off the cliff. And then I'm like, oh, but I'm still really excited. Let's do it again. Um, so so the, the why, though separately, not really sure. But I, I do find importance, importance in bringing them together. Or what I'm super curious is very much of what's been at the core of, I guess, um, a lot of my journey has been like, what is creativity and like, how as humans can we become more creative or are we born that way? Do we learn it? Like what, what, what inspires that? Um, because I think all major breakthroughs come from creativity and I, an example, and I, I think that combining these is such a fun way. So for instance, I, I watched the movie AlphaGo. Um, which is about the AI machine playing against the world champion in ch- in uh, the game Go, um, which is way more complicated than chess. And the people that are experts in Go looking at the moves that the AI, AI machine did and just being like, those were the most brilliant, like creative wow. moves that we've never seen before. Like they were like, we have never seen before. And what I it made me realize is like, yeah, as humans, we learn from humans who have done it before us. And we make very small iterative steps to become more creative. But the beauty about AI and tech is that it can open doors and open our eyes to things that would have taken us decades on our own to get right. to. Um, and they just launch us to a, a degree where you're like, oh, right. Like nowadays, pl- Go players learn from the AI machines and are a thousand times more brilliant than they were before. It's the same right. humans. The humans are more brilliant because they've just seen other possibilities. And so in the same light, like I'm now working with robots um, and creating choreography with it because I'm like, I would love to be, it, it's like inspired by the robot or I, it's a fun project where I'll go in motion capture and then that data is fed to an AI machine that then creates choreography that's then mapped to the robot. And then I didn't learn from the robot, you know? So it's like yeah. the robot had learned from me. So it's this whole like, I don't know, circular thing that I'm, I'm super intrigued by. Um, and, and I think that's where, yeah. Einstein has the quote plays their highest form of research. And I'm just like, I'm just playing. We'll just play. And I know it's, it's funny that you say that because to me, when it comes to AI and then, people learning from AI or AI learning from coders. It's not easy anymore to say who is learning from who. And I think that creates a lot of confusion, especially in this next topic we're gonna to talk about. But I I just wanna go back and I'm gonna remember the fact that you said Go is I think technically more challenging than chess. I've never heard that before, but I totally believe you. I totally get that. Because um, oh, the possibilities are, oh. I think, infinite like the number of moves the different options of moves is is significantly higher than than chess got it i should know that but i don't play either well so don't hold that against, <laughs> don't hold that against me <laughs> so in your view just in your view quickly how can ai uh, or machine learning help dance in other forms of creative arts i think you just gave a good example but it's something that one example that really spoke to you um 
either now or you think in the future, or, you know, a favorite event that the uh, the two helped each other, I guess. I mean, there's a number of like research ideas that I would love to explore. Um, and I'm happy to share them because it's doubtful I'll ever have time to get to everything. But, you know, like one idea is choreography. I think that, you know, a lot of people say that the, you know, the audience for ballet has gone down. And, and I agree because it's the same choreography. Like people like surprise. People want to be like see things they haven't seen before. And the vocabulary for ballet is quite similar. And also the formations. It's like, you're either in a line, a diagonal line or a circle, right? Like it's, it's a bit <laughs> limited. Whereas my sister, um, who you, you've, you've interviewed, she was on a hip hop crew team. Right. And their formations are freaking brilliant, right? They're like up vertically in a pyramid and then down spread out like in a star. Like, it's just so fun and spontaneous. Um, but then of course you want that, style from ballet and then you want the intimacy from tango so one idea that I, I love to explore is like you know fusing the different styles together um like in AI they have these things called Gantz like generative adversarial networks where you'd be like I want like 20% cloud 30% bird right. and like 50% <laughs> water you know and it'll come up with a new image and I just thought it'd be a very cool thing choreographically you could be like I want 20% tango 40% hip hop like wow. 40% ballet and just see what it comes up with cuz i think right now as humans we're quite specialized in that one field like if you're the elite tango player you're not at you're not at the top of the game in the ballet world right um and if you're at the top of ballet you're definitely not at the top in the hip hop world right like it's it, it once you're at extreme and you're at the top level you have very little time um to do that but so just that type of thing, I think, would be super interesting and fun. So AI could help combine those two disciplines, you think, and become less Yeah, and multiple. Yeah, and, I and think that's come up yeah. with new choreography, like new ideas, new ways of presenting it um, that haven't been seen before. I love it. And I love it. Way. That's a great use case, Merit. And so that, that leads me to my next question. And, and I'm going to talk for a bit, and you're probably going to get bored out of your mind, and I apologize beforehand, not just to you, but to our listeners. So I sent you an article, which I want to discuss mull over with you. And I'm just going to read the, the title. Uh, no names mentioned, but I'll just say local police force cut short evil robot dogs run. And this gets to the heart of what we've been talking about, about humanizing technology, both pros and cons. And I, I think we as humans love to project human traits onto technology, right? Especially robotics, particularly in certain industries like entertainment and media and to a lesser degree, you know, manufacturing. In this example, it was, you know, public safety. And just to kind of frame the picture even further uh, with this article I sent you, to our listeners, you know, the high level is a local police department purchased a robotics dog from a company in Boston. There was quick uh, public backlash uh, for a variety of reasons, but most importantly, the backlash was because people did not like the way this robotics dog looked. Um, and so the technology, this robot was eventually return to the technology provider. And so I've got mixed views on this, Merit. On one hand, when we kind of portray 
uh, emulate uh, human um, you know, emotions, traits onto technology, I think it works. Uh, I like science fiction content, you know, from everything from Wally to the Terminator franchise, I can watch this stuff hourly. On the other hand, and it's a big other hand, I think it's a problem in real world applications. The public, right, can quickly formulate negative opinions. Politicians can create policies that limit innovation solely based, solely based on how human or not human that technology appears to be. And so I know this is a lot, but I want to know, based on your experience, what are your thoughts on what happened on this notion of this example in this article? Well, I think there is a huge fear towards robots and AI. Um, and understandably, sometimes I think the fear is the fear that that humans will be replaced. Um, and so to counter that, um, we'll have an example for that. Um, but I think in this case, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, I think there is an unfair assumption that human prejudices are placed on the robot. Um, I'd be more fearful of humans with our emotions and our prejudices than a machine. Mm. Um, because I think as humans, we come with a lot more, uh, how to say, like, mm, you know, not so great traits that, right. that are biased. Um the unfortunate thing and, and the understandable part is uh, that sometimes I think, and what we should be aware of is that our human, that to make sure that our human prejudices aren't passed down to right. the robot. Where in this case, I think people just assume the robot would be that way on its own and, and That's right. um, are, are less fearful of humans, but more fearful of the robot on its own. Whereas I'm saying, no, we just, I don't think we need to be afraid of the robot, like, but we should definitely be afraid of human prejudices being passed on to robots, which have shown accidentally to have happened and sometimes not accidentally um, and, and through AI. So I definitely think that it's a dialogue that should be continued. Mm. Um, I think in this case, people would have been, I think there's, it's more safe, I would say, to have, you know, a robot dog go enter a, a scary scenario, you know, that's unarmed right. to have it figure out rather than putting a human that now has the fear of emotions and is holding a gun and, you know, who might risk their life to be thrown into a dark, right. you know, scenario. Like, so that in that sense, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, wouldn't you just much rather have like a yellow dog go in and like, check it out. Then then humans going in where they already have fear, they have prejudices, and automatically things go wrong, especially in the U.S. when there's a lot of guns, right? So right, right, like right. in that sense, I'm like, this logic doesn't make sense. But I do, I, yeah. Um, so you can understand so, how people feel where they just kind of make I can understand clear. where people feel. In this scenario, I'm like, that seems like a very Rash silly decision. Yeah. Yeah. Like it didn't make, I like there should be a discussion and fear in this scenario. I think it would have been way safer to have the dog, but yeah. Right. I mean, to me, I look at, I look at what you do. Hmm. Uh, and again, I, I think it's the exact opposite. We try and get people comfortable in what 
technology does, right, in the arts. Like to see you have a duet with a robotics arm that normally is used in manufacturing, to me, it's mesmerizing. I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. I just, you know, I could look at that stuff all day. It's like, you know, this is what I do. And it goes beyond just the business case and how technology can help my bottom line. When I read articles like this and, uh, you know, titles like, you know, police department faces backlash after trotting out robot or spokesperson for mayor says he was glad the dog was put down. I just it I just want to fall off my chair because yeah. you know, the millions of dollars on investment. Right. And the amount of hours and technology and coding and, you know, crafting the hardware, it just seems like a giant waste. But on the other hand, you know, I. I couldn't understand why people feel the way they do without understanding the technology and not having the conversations that you just talked about. Like, what does the technology mean to the community and to the people? So I know that was a lot. That was a big, big question, big conversation started. And I hope to have more of them with you uh, going forward. And I thank you. But let me ask you another question. So let's make it a little more uh, less onerous. So 50 years from now, ready? 50 years from now. Yeah, yeah I'm ready. It's 50 years from now, are you still creating duets between humans and robots? Yes, but around the moon. <laughs> or Mars, right? Okay. Yeah, Mars is okay. a little far. I haven't committed to Mars yet. Definitely committed to the moon, though. <laughs> I will uh, be watching. I'll be one of your subscribers. Uh, okay. What is one thing you want our listeners to remember from this discussion today? I would say that it's a super exciting time and that there's a lot of creativity hidden in fields that I think seem like they're not creative. Mm. Um, and I think that there's sometimes a lot of fear or um, people aren't, are kind of avoidant of say like robots in tech mm -hmm. um, because I think there is that fear of them replacing humans. But I would counter that with the example of, you know, back in the day, I think painters were very fearful, like hated the camera when it right. came because they're like, no one's going to want a painting ever, you know, because now there's a camera that can take like a, you know, replicate, you know, take a photo. Um, but, you know, now decades, decades later, you know, painters are still like cherished and loved. And, and it's, it's just shown that camera is a different tool of expression and a different tool of humans expressing and being creative. And I think robots is a similar thing. Like a robot, my robot dance partner isn't replacing humans. It's just like a different way of expressing um, human creativity. It's like a different kind of tool, at least right now it's a tool. I think that's a great, I think you just couched it. I think that was a great response. It's like technology helps support human creativity. It's not something that prevents it. Mm -hmm. What do you love about your career? If you had to, to get it down to one sentence, if you could, you don't, it doesn't have to be one sentence. I think there's a lot there, but you know, you tell me. I love the spontaneity um, of it, the freedom. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I jump around a lot. And, and also I think I've, I've discovered like if I'm super passionate about something, even if it's weird and bizarre, if I give myself the space and time to pursue it and that freedom to do it, that it pays off in the end. So like, like right now I'm watching like weird YouTube videos on like some other sort of <laughs> robot thing. And like, you know, it's just vague and random and, you know, isn't, I wouldn't say there's a direct link to 
me spending hours studying this stuff and, and, uh, a paycheck at all. But I have found that like, it does pay off in the end. Um, so that's what I've left. It's like constantly merging and constantly problem solving and I've just been having a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you're happy and you're smiling. And that's uh, one of the things that, uh, I admire anyone. Yes. Who has a, a passion and not just a career. So, one last question, then you can be rid of me forever, uh, Merit, but hopefully not. What's your favorite movie about AI, machine learning, and robotics? I really, it's the documentary, AlphaGo. I, that was super enlightening for me. Okay. That was a big one of seeing like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, the tech and the AI in the future is, is going to play a big role in our in our creativity human creativity so you liked it i loved it yeah okay so favorite movie about ballet uh favorite movie about ballet uh they're not very many (laughs) uh oh and i don't even remember their names okay i think there's like three there's like (laughs) the ones with borishnikov the old ones Oh, the epic, like, center stage. I think it was, like, a teenager when that came out. Let's go with center stage. Okay. Okay, um, if you thought that last question was hard, then uh, give me your favorite movie that includes both AI and oh. ballet technology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's uh, a... <laughs> Get back to me. Coming, coming, yeah, okay. coming. Yeah, that'll be episode two. Um, yeah. Merit, we're about out of time, and I want to give you a big heartfelt thank you for being on the show you were great oh i thank you very much and for our listeners unfortunately uh this episode is over and i hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you didn't enjoy uh you know and you feel ideas to make us better please please visit our feed on itunes to rate review or subscribe or if you're listening on spotify be sure to hit follow we want your feedback and that's it for us that's another episode of the big rethink until next time i'm barry ross